We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Head coach Sean McDermott joins the Extra Point Show with Sal and Joe every Friday morning at 1030. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at Northwest.com. Hour 2 Sports Talk Saturday coming at you here on WGR. And Hour 2 means our second hour of fantastic guests for this afternoon. And joining me on the Western Hotline is heavy on sports senior NFL reporter, my good pal Matt Lombardo, joining us to talk a fascinating week that was in the NFL. Matt, my good buddy, how are you, my friend? Nate, I'm doing great. I'm actually at the zoo overlooking a pair of buffalo. So I don't know that the setting could be better <laughs> to talk bills with my with my man Nate here. I love that, and thanks for taking time to uh, to chat with me, my friend. I always always appreciate it. So uh, what a fascinating week, dude! Uh, trade deadline, maybe the most exciting. No, not maybe the most exciting trade deadline in NFL history. Are we expecting this to be the new norm in the NFL? Has the NFL turned it in the NBA? You know, I was thinking about this a little bit this week, Nate. You look at the salary cap rising exponentially. You have teams that think that they're closer than ever to competing for a Super Bowl or building rosters that can compete for multiple Super Bowls. They have the resources. And there's a lot of GMs out there like Brandon Bean and Howie Roseman that have these really forward-thinking philosophies about stacking future draft picks and creating optionality for themselves. So, I'm not surprised that there were 10 trades that went down on the deadline and some even bigger moves in advance of the deadline. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see in future years teams are just more aggressive about going out and getting the kind of pieces that they need. And I think really the Bears were one of the more fascinating teams no at the deadline because I wrote about this this week in my takeaways from the deadline. They kind of got worse on defense, which is fine, because it's not about this year. It's about the future. And they recouped some draft capital in the Rokon Smith and the, the trade with Philadelphia for Robert Quinn. But they're going to get Chase Claypool to help their quarterback long term, the draft capital for long term. And I think the teams like that, with one eye towards the present and two eyes towards the future, I think that we're going to see a lot more aggressiveness in future years, no doubt in my mind. So in your mind, Matt, who got better, or well, you know, lack, lack of a better term, who got the most better <laughs> this week during this <laughs> trade deadline? Because I think you see a lot of teams, and, and listen, this, this extends past just the Tuesday deadline as well, because you look back and 
the Christian McCaffrey move, I think, has propelled the 49ers in a way that I think they envisioned that move propelling them, but I'm not sure they really could have actually thought that they were going to be that much more potent on offense. Now, they're going to get Debo Samuel, who's kind of been fighting through some injuries. When that offense is complete, Matt, that really, you know, I, I think right now it's a two-headed race in the NFC between the Eagles and Niners, and the Niners' record may not be as as, as sort of, you know, blemishless as, as the... Um, as the Philadelphia Eagles record, but boy, with with McCaffrey on that offense, that certainly looks to be one scary unit offensively. Oh, no doubt. And I think that the Eagles and Niners both got better. I would throw the Ravens into that as well by getting a dominant off-ball linebacker in Roquan Smith, which they really didn't have. And certainly you need, when you're looking at the quarterbacks you're going up against in the postseason, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts, the Joe Burrows, But I think that the 49ers, you are spot on here, Nate, because I wrote this uh, on Sunday. Christian McCaffrey was made to play for Kyle Shanahan. You think of the versatility catching the ball out of the backfield. They run those horizontal zone read run schemes that really put a lot of stress on opposing defenses. And he's made to maximize that sort of a scheme. And that versatility really helps. And I think that there really is no clear-cut second team In the NFC, in my opinion, the Niners are the closest. They have the defense with the playmakers and a brilliant defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryans. But they got a lot better adding Christian McCaffrey. I love what the Ravens did, and I like what the Eagles did. I I know that it was only a fourth and a sixth-round pick, but you get the Bears to pick up some of that salary, and now you have a rotational edge rusher. And and they're not the same player, don't get me wrong, but the comparison here – is how the Bills use Von Miller. Mm. You don't need Von Miller to be a three-down pass rusher. You need Von Miller when it's the 12th play of a drive and it's third and six to go out and get a sack and make a game-changing play. That's what Robert Quinn has the chance to be in Philadelphia, a rotational big spot player who can go in and make big plays. And I had an AFC executive tell me he thought that that was his favorite move of the deadline because you can't have enough pass rushers and the Eagles just keep loading up in that spot. No doubt about it. Matt Lombardo here of Heavy on Sports. He's a senior NFL reporter joining me on the Western Hotline. We're talking trade deadline acquisitions. Let's talk a little, Matt, about the acquisition of Naeem Hines. Kind of came together pretty last minute. Um, At least that's what we heard from Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. They also were able to snag Dean Marlowe, a guy that this franchise um, had here in Buffalo for a few years, went on and and went to Atlanta, and they're getting him back for that sort of uh, stretch run here with you know, a banged up Jordan Poyer. He's just struggled this year. I mean, he's just really struggled from some bad luck. But overall, what are your thoughts about the move for Naheem Hines, both from the Colts' perspective and the Bills moving forward? Yeah, I, I talked to a longtime NFL scout who's in a front office today, and he told me that Naheem Hines walks into Buffalo and he is the Bills' most complete running back on that roster. He's a playmaker out of the backfield. He's got the speed to be a breakaway runner. His issue is he just needs to stay healthy. And I think that when you look at what the Bills did, you compare him with Devin Singletary and have some really interesting packages. You can certainly throw the ball to, to Cook as well. But I think Hines arrives, and it might not be a full package of plays this Sunday, similar to Christian McCaffrey's debut with the 49ers. But I think you're going to see Naeem Hines make an immediate and significant impact on that Bills offense. And you know, as well as anybody, Nate, that's an offense that just comes at you in waves, yeah. weapons on weapons on weapons. Now you have James Cook and Naeem Hines in the backfield at the same time. Good luck defending that. 
What do you make of this Colts team, Matt? Because, I mean, big expectations coming into this season. Um, they kind of, on top of trading for Matt Ryan, they doubled down. They work his contract in a way that makes it almost impossible to get out of within the next year, year and a half. Um, they, you know, they're sellers at the trade deadline. They've made the move to Sam Ellinger. Where is that is that franchise right now? Because Jim Irsay saying all the right things in public, but it does not feel like I don't know how you can give your coach and general manager a vote of confidence when the lack of success has been there year over year, especially when you consider that offense has taken a big step back without Nick Sirianni. And if you're the head coach calling plays and you fire an offensive coordinator, there's not too many other people to point the finger at anymore, Matt. No, and I think that, unfortunately, I think that Frank Reich is a pretty brilliant offensive coordinator. I think that he was the consigliere to Doug Peterson during that Super Bowl year and was really instrumental to a lot of those game plans and innovative plays that the Eagles ran on the road to winning that Super Bowl in 2017. But there are just some guys who might be better off as coordinators, Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to get that sense of Frank Reich. The play calling hasn't been there. Committing to, to Matt Ryan, I think, was one of the biggest missteps that any team not named the Denver Broncos has made this offseason. And, and I think that they are the cautionary tale. We've talked about this before, about falsely believing that you're a quarterback away, yeah. a veteran quarterback away from a Super Bowl, and you go and get a guy who's on the back end of his career. I think they're a franchise that needs to tear it down and start over because outside of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, I really don't see a lot of talent on that offense. And it's a shame because they just waste so much talent on the defensive side of the ball, and they haven't done enough to prop up the offense. Yeah, and like I, I part of my just confusion about them is what has happened to the offensive line. Like that, I think was the mainstay. That's why you go out and get a Matt Ryan because you have belief that you have an offensive line. Part of them benching Matt Ryan, Matt, <clears throat> at least in my opinion, is their failure to protect him. Yeah, and, and that's what's fascinating because you look at that line on paper and you look at Quentin Nelson, you look at the tackles, it should be one of the top three to five offensive lines in football, and it just hasn't been there. And, again, I think it's one of these teams that needs to tear it down and start over. And I think that when you look at Chris Ballard, I think that he's in a position where I think his job is on the line. I think Frank Reich's job is on the line. I don't think you can have the kind of offseason that they've had and produce these sort of results and expect to have a long-term future there. It's a franchise that in a division that should be pretty winnable. I don't see anyone in the AFC South that should be running away with this thing this year or long-term. And I think the Colts have really squandered an opportunity with the amount of talent they have on defense by the fatal mistakes and the fatal flaws they have on that offense. Um, Matt, I, I also wanted to, you know, kind of looking at this trade deadline as a whole, obviously the Miami Dolphins probably made the biggest splash move of the trade deadline, trading for Bradley Chubb, a first-round pick. They get rid of tra- uh, Chase Edmonds, a guy that they invested some money into this offseason, um, and they turn around and give him a, a pretty large uh, $64 million guaranteed in a contract. But effectively, with the contract details, it's a truly two-year commitment. They can get out with only $8 million of dead cap money after the 2024 season. What would you maybe say that trade did to move their Super Bowl odds? I, I would tell you Vegas hasn't budged much. They're still plus 3000 the same they were before the trade to Bradley Chubb. But uh, listen, I mean, you'd have to be crazy not to argue their defense got better with the move for, for Bradley Chubb. Defense got exponentially better. And I think that when you talk about young quarterbacks, everybody talks about the offensive line and the running game being a best friend to a young quarterback. 
defense is number two or three, right? And a pass rush, certainly, who can create turnovers and, and put opposing offenses in bad spots and shorten the field and all of those things. Bradley Chubb is the type of guy who desperately needed to change the scenery. The Dolphins desperately needed another horse along that front seven. I like the move a lot. I think that it inches them closer to the Buffalo Bills long-term in that division and maintains their status quo as the biggest threat to the Bills this season. But nobody's beating Buffalo in Buffalo. They're, they're, they're just not. But, but I love what they did and what Chris Greer did from a long-term roster-building standpoint, adding Bradley Chubb, locking him in so you know that he's not going anywhere, and you can continue building around Bradley Chubb. You can continue building opposite of Jalen Phillips, who's a really good pass rusher, too. You have a duo now. You have a duo that you can keep building out on defense, complementing an offense that, face it, Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Mike Kosicki, those guys aren't going anywhere. And I think that in 2022, the Dolphins kind of are what they are. They're a plucky team that could make the wild card and win a round or two in the postseason. But long-term, with Chris, Chris Greer's roster-building philosophy and now with Chubb, look out for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I kind of like the way that you put that. And, and, I, and I do think there's a lot of growth potential in that division um, in general. And, and you look at the New York Jets this week, and obviously the Bills' next opponent on the calendar here. Uh, five and three, I think plucky's an interesting term for them as well. Like five and three, their trajectory was really looking strong. But man, the struggles of Zach Wilson have been on display week in and week out. I, we had um, this week talked a lot about are the Jets close to benching Zach Wilson? And the, and the feeling that like we have here is that's not a move you maybe come back from. It's not like you know having Ryan Fitzpatrick and moving in and out of Tua and Fitzy when, with, when you're Brian Flores. This feels a lot different. Like if, I feel like, Matt, if you make the move away from Zach Wilson, that that's like effectively it for him. And, and I think that's why they're going to give him every chance to earn it. But it, the, the pressure rears up when, you're, when you have a winning record and maybe a season that you think you might be able to weasel your way into a wild card spot. Sounds like somebody read heavy in the trenches on Wednesday morning. <laughs> because, listen, you watched that game last week, and Zach Wilson was every bit the worst parts of Carson Wentz. Mm. And, and that can't mm. happen against the New England Patriots at home. And, and I think that there's real concern about Zach Wilson's future. But I'm with you. That, that, that's not a move that you make light, lightly. That's a move that if, if you're going to bench Zach Wilson, you're effectively moving on from Zach Wilson. And, and the Jets are in this really interesting situation. They're in the thick of the playoff race. There's a real chance they're going to be one of the wild cards in the AFC or knocking on that doorstep. So you're going to be picking 11th or 12th. But if the wheels come off and you're picking top four yeah. and mm. C.J. Stroud is on the board or Will Levis is on the board, what do you do? If you think that Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or any of these young quarterbacks coming out have more upside than Zach Wilson, even two years later, what do you do? I think you have to go with the quarterback with more upside. And Zach Wilson is going to have every opportunity down the stretch with some pretty big games against some pretty tough defenses to prove that he's the guy. But, Nate, I haven't seen it. And if he doesn't take that big leap in the second half, I think I think all options are on the table for the Jets, and they really should be. And you do believe that, regardless of what happens with Zach Wilson, that – Joe Douglas and Robert Sala will be there for whatever the next solution is, whether that's moving forward with Zach Wilson 
or finding his replacement. Like, I, I believe, you know, Doe Do Douglas has done enough, but there are very few general managers in the NFL that get the opportunity to draft a second op- a chance to get a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think that he's done enough. And I think Robert Sala has done more than enough to establish a winning culture. Look, I mean, I looked at what's happening with the Jets and with the Giants with Brian Dable. They both pretty instantly changed the cultures around those franchises that have been perennial bottom dwellers for, what, a decade? At least. At least. And and I think that the young talent on that team, Brees Hall, when healthy, is a a top 10 running back immediately in the NFL. I like the young receivers. I really like what they've done on defense. And I think that Sauce Gardner is going to run away with the defensive rookie of the year and maybe even earn a couple of defensive player of the year votes. Mm. So I think that you look at the drafts, you look at some of the free agent additions, I think that Joe Douglas has done a really nice job. I spoke to a general manager a couple weeks ago that puts him in the mix for executive of the year. A rival GM told me that's how highly he thinks of Joe Douglas. So I don't think you move on from Joe Douglas because you, you, you missed on the quarterback. you got to get the next one right. If you're going to get that second chance, you better hit on that next one. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Matt, last thing I've got for you before I let you go back to the uh, to the beautiful zoo. I'm assuming you have a, as beautiful weather down in PA as we're having here in Buffalo today. Unbelievably, seasonably warm. We will uh, we'll take all the nice weather. And it's great for golf weather, by the way. Um, Matt, la- like I said, last thing I've got for you here, when I look at this Bills roster overall, um, as they sort of head into, I think, an interesting week this week. But I'm kind of circling next week. Boy, what a matchup next week could be if the Vikings can take care of business on Sunday. Bills-Vikings, a battle between two one-loss teams. I, that might really have like one of the games of the year opportunities at play. Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, his first game against his former team. That game has maybe way more highlights to it than than I maybe would have thought coming into the season when I looked at the the schedule when it came out. Oh yeah, and the Vikings go out and get better with T.J. Hawkinson. So you're going to have Boston Knox against T.J. Hawkinson as a couple of red zone weapons for their respective offenses. You look at Dalvin Cook versus James Cook. The storylines are really boundless there. And I think that, again, the Bills are probably the prohibitive Super Bowl favorites overall, and I think that they're on a a mission to Arizona. The Vikings are in that mix in the NFC as that second-best team, and a win against the Bills, that will go a long way towards strengthening that resume. So I'm with you. That's one of those circle the games on the calendar and if we were flexing games already we would flex it for Sunday night. All right, you you mentioned the Cardinals and I have to ask you uh, what is is there is there pressure ramping up there? They have not had the season they thought that they would have even with DeAndre Hopkins back. It still has not looked all that good uh, outside of him. I mean, he's really the only thing working offensively for that team. They just signed Cliff Kingsbury. Is there any concerns there that that he might have a tough time making it out of the season if the, if things don't turn around quickly? Boy, you know, I, I don't know that I've heard. I've heard anything reportable on that front. But there's a growing feeling inside the league that, that country, club Kingsbury, country Club Kingsbury is not the approach. And you hear that for whispers from players. You hear that from agents. It, it, it just feels like the, the whole approach is wrong. And Kyler Murray is exciting, but he hasn't ever really taken that next step to be a winner. If they don't make a run, I think it could be making for some uncomfortable conversations in Arizona. It's a, you know, it's a good thing, Nate, that they didn't commit a zillion dollars over the next 10 years to Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. It's a good thing that they didn't do that yet. <laughs> Country Club Kingsbury is as good as it gets, man. <laughs> 
I love that nickname. Matt, thank you so much, my friend, as always. Tell the folks where they can find your work. you got a great podcast out. Uh, give, give those some, some shouts so people can find you. You got it, brother. I always appreciate it and appreciate joining you. Uh, the Matt Lombardo Show, you can listen to it anywhere podcasts are heard, Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL and columns throughout the week, including a 10 takeaways every, su- every Monday morning of Sunday's game and a big omnibus around the NFL column on Wednesday at heavy.com and a whole lot more. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm going to go uh, check out these Buffalo over here. Yeah, go check out those Buffalo. We'll check out these Buffalo here, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll report back to each other. You got it, brother. Appreciate you, Nate. Appreciate you. Matt Lombardo there of Heavy Sports. He's a senior NFL uh, writer over there and has a great podcast as well. you got to go check it out. That's uh, Matt on the West Her Hotline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.